with you today. My name is Adam. If we haven't met, it's my joy to be one of the pastors here. And ever since I was little, I just thought swords were really cool. I, I, I confess some of my Christian upbringing when I was dressing up in the Armor of God for Children kit here. Uh-huh, yeah, I had one of those. Uh, I don't know if anyone else grew up watching Zorro on the Disney Channel. Probably the only Zorro reference in a church in America on this Sunday. He would like, his signature move was cutting the Z into the bad guy's shirts or whatever. Z for Zorro, obviously. One of my earliest memories is in 1989, when for Christmas I received the He-Man Power Sword. And it was amazing. Now, I may or may not have eBayed this this week, and it was a little out of my price range for what would work as a sermon illustration, but someday it will be mine again. Now, if you had to guess, those of you that know me, would you pick over or under 1.5 lightsabers at my home? Over. Hmm. We're going to leave that a mystery this morning. (laughs) Several years ago, my brother-in-law was getting married to my wife's sister, which is fun. So I was put in charge of the bachelor party. I guess every brother-in-law would be my wife's sister. But anyway, um, (laughs) uh, I had known him before they were going to get married is what made it fun. And so I was put in charge of the bachelor party. And so I thought, let's do something a little out of the ordinary. And so I thought, how fun would it be able to say for the rest of our lives that we sword fought at a bachelor party? And so I booked a fencing instructor. Now, I don't play this card often, nor does it get me many places, but I had to convince this dude, Bruce was his name, that it was a good idea to have a bachelor party and swords like in the same area. And so I said, listen, man, I promise you, we won't show up inebriated. I'm a pastor. I played the card. and He bought it, and, and, and it, it went well. It went well. Uh, so I think there are some lessons that we can learn from fencing and how to handle a sword. That's what we're going to be looking at today. What I hope we'll discover together as we study God's word is that we should use the Bible to defend daily but offend rarely. Throughout the Bible, we see different pictures describing God's word, Uh, that God's word is a light or a lamp. It's from Psalm 19. Or in Matthew 4, we're actually going to see this later on in a minute here, that the word of God is compared to food. Or in Jeremiah, the word of God is compared to fire. Today we'll picture the word of God as a sword. In this series called Suit Up, we've been looking at the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6. And how, how does our faith help us face the battles that come our way? And, and how does our faith shape our response? Each and every week, we see the reality of evil in the headlines, and we experience it in our own lives. I don't think you need me to make a list for you. So every day, we got to suit up. And we learn how we can do that in Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 17. We read, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist 
with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so in this series, we've looked at each of these different facets of armor. And the sword stands uniquely among them because the belt of truth is is there to kind of fasten other aspects of the armor. The breastplate, the shield, and the helmet, those are all for defense. The sword is the only piece that can be used for both defending as well as attacking. It's designed that way. And so with this in mind, I want to really drill down into the meaning of what we read when we see the word, word. And I tried to think about how that's not going to be confusing to say, and I just can't get around it. So we're going to talk about the meaning of the word, word. That's, that's what we're going to do. If you agree, say, word. all right, there you go. <laughs> Uh, The New Testament was written almost exclusively in Greek. And in Greek, there are multiple concepts that we translate as word into English. In Ephesians 6, 17, this particular verse that we just read, we translate the Greek word rhema into word. And it means saying or statement. Now, for most Christians, the word of God is synonymous with the Bible. But when this was written, it wasn't the Bible yet, uh, in a manner of, of speaking. Right, it hadn't been the New Testament hadn't been assembled, and so what, what does what does that mean? Well, uh, this was a letter written to the church in Ephesus. That's an ancient Greek city, and it was authored by someone named Paul. And when he wrote this, the New Testament hadn't been assembled yet. But we would say that under the inspiration of God, Paul wrote this letter, and the early church recognized it as scripture in the way that they used it and shared this letter. And then later, the more developed church put together the collection of books recognized as the Bible, and this included the letter to the Ephesians, and that's what we read today. Last week, Pastor Mitch talked about the importance of taking the helmet of salvation. It's there, but we have to take it. Similarly, the word of God has been spoken, written, and handed down to us. But whether we take it or not, is our decision. Methodist founder John Wesley would call reading scripture the key means of grace. And that's a phrase that means it's one of the main ways that God's spirit speaks to us. That reading the word of God, studying the Bible, is a means of grace, one of the ways that God speaks to us. Now certainly we don't worship a book. We worship the living God. But one of the main ways that we come to know God's character is through God's word. The rhema of God refers to what God has said. The more familiar we are with it, the more we're able to call it to mind when the day of evil comes, as our scripture said. The more we familiarize ourselves with the word of God, the more able we are to stand against the devil's schemes. This was the case with Jesus when he was tempted in the desert by the devil. Three times we'll see he was tempted by Satan and three times he quoted God's word to defend against the devil's schemes. This is from Matthew chapter four. The tempter came to him, him is Jesus. And the tempter said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written. You're gonna see a lot of it is written here. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now that's Jesus quoting from the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, from the book of Deuteronomy. 
Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written. See, now that's what Satan is trying to use the same phrase. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Now that was Satan quoting Psalm 91. Jesus answered him, it is also written. It is, a lot of that back and forth. It sounds like some Facebook arguments is what I see. <laughs> oh, do not put your Lord, your God, to the test. And that's Jesus quoting Deuteronomy 6.16. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And there Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 6.13. So when Jesus was tempted, he had already in advance taken up the sword of the spirit, the word of God, in order to fend off the temptations. The devil even tried to twist and quote God's word to Jesus. And so the more we put ourselves in position to encounter God's spirit, the more we're familiar with God's word, and the more likely we're going to be able to test, to see if something does or doesn't fit with what we know about and have experienced to be true of God. Jesus was tempted to distort his own identity. That's what Satan was trying to get him to do. For Jesus, being the son of God, meant sacrificially releasing his power, not exploiting it for his own gain. But he was tempted to think otherwise. And so we can defend ourselves against other temptations and distortions of the word of God. I had put on a public worship service at my last church. Uh, it was at this, this bar in the city. It was around Christmas time in 2018. And I had worked things out with one of the owners, and everything went great, except the owner I had worked with wasn't actually present there. The other one was. Mm -hmm. And after, well, it wasn't my oops. And after, that money was still green. Uh, after the event was over, you, you see, I'm clearly not over this. After, after, the, after the event was over, the other owner came up to me and, and just berated me. He, he yelled at me about bringing all that religious stuff in here and running off customers. And, and I said, well, actually, I brought you 113 customers. But that's, that's all I permitted myself to say. Other than that, I just took it. And that's not necessarily in my nature. It didn't feel good. No one likes being berated. But there were two things on my mind as this was happening. The first was that I can't actually give this guy a piece of my mind because he knows I'm a pastor. And I was very annoyed by that. <laughs> uh, right? He knew I was a pastor. I knew that wouldn't reflect well on the church or Jesus. So I just had to take it. I didn't like that. Uh, that was my less than noble thought. Uh, and for real, more importantly, the second thought I had, this is what sustained me in that moment. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. And so I, I, I want to speak on this for a moment, and I want to specifically talk to the students with us today. I, let's leave this up for a moment because students... I, I would propose to you this is like your life verse. So that when you get made fun of because you didn't go to the party or you didn't get invited or when you refuse to drink that drink 
or inhale from the vape pen. I have crossed a threshold into elderliness because I don't even know if I said vape pen right. (laughs) But when you refuse to take the drink or inhale or you don't swallow the pill or when you refuse to get into the back seat or crawl into the bed, when you stick up for somebody being talked bad about, when you let a classmate know you can't say the N-word, dude, when your friends make fun of you for going to church or whatever the long list is that we can make of the ways that we are cruel to each other, you remember Matthew 5.11. You, you, you commit this to memory because I'm telling you all, yeah, adults, adults, we're going to back you up, students. Is middle school and high school not a battle? And we're here to tell you, if you survive that, you can do anything. I'm, I ain't kidding, Amen. I'm here to tell you, when your friends make fun of you for any of that stuff, you remember that you are blessed to be in the company of Jesus because before people hated you, they hated him. Matthew 5.11. And here's the thing, as adults, once we survive middle school and high school, we actually don't change very much after adolescence. We just file our taxes. This... We, we all still, we're all basically 14 eternally. We all went out. We, well, yeah, we, and now I can buy my own lightsaber though. Uh, we all need affirmation. We all want to be included. We all want to know that our lives matter and make an impact. That's all the same things eighth graders need. And so my 20th class reunion is this year. And I'm thinking about rolling up with my name tag and my wife and being like, what's up now? Church thing worked out pretty good, didn't it? That's right. That's right. Nothing like going to a reunion totally out of spite. Uh, that's, not, that's not totally true. It's a little bit true. Uh, but, but, but students and, and all of us, we, we got we to suit up in advance before all this stuff hits us. So that when our worth is being challenged, when our good choices are being belittled, the ones we do manage to do, uh, we would do well to take the sword of the word of God in our defense. Now, Ephesians 6 isn't the only time that the word of God is compared to a sword. We read this in Hebrews chapter 4. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. The Bible is a complex thing. I wanted somebody to hear that said out loud today. It's, it's a complex document. And at times it can seem foreign, frustrating, or confusing. It can be divisive. There's, I mean, Jesus himself says, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. It is, it is not an undivisive deal. And, and, and that's part of what I find frustrating is that we Christians can't even all agree on what we think it says. That's why there's over, do you know this? There's over 45,000 denominations. And so from the, like the world looks at that, if they're even thinking of this at all, and it's like, you guys can't even get your act together. But there's a few basic things that many Christians agree on. And the list I'm about to read of those things gets pretty weird. Are you ready? We believe in an obscure rabbi from a backwater town who didn't write a single thing down. He taught that we should love our enemies, that the first will be last, that we should repent of our sin and we can only be healed when we admit that we're sick in the first place. 
Because this man claimed to be the son of God, he was executed in the most brutal and humiliating way. He died as a criminal, naked and alone. Then, three days later, he was no longer dead, eventually went back to heaven, and we await his return. Friends, that's a lot. That's a lot. There's a lot to unpack there. And so the sharp sword of the word of God needs to be handled carefully. That's why we should use the Bible to defend daily, but offend rarely. I have a friend who would not consider herself religious. She told me once about being invited to youth group when she was in high school by a friend of hers. Big, giant youth group, lots of fun, right? Well, that particular night, the topic was divorce. And my friend was invited and brought there specifically because her parents were getting a divorce. I would call the damage done irreparable. Now, I don't doubt that a friend meant well, but friends, we just need to acknowledge uh, intent versus impact. See, they intended well, but the impact was, did not go well. So no matter what our intentions are when we use the Bible, if we deploy it like a weapon to chop someone down, the impact is actually detrimental to the cause of Christ. And then who's winning? Whose scheme are we actually a part of in that case? And, and so I just, I just want to kind of reverse it for a minute because if, if we're trying to use a sentence that starts with, well, the Bible says, to someone who puts no stock in the Bible, imagine if someone said to you, well, you know, the Quran says, or, well, in the Book of Mormon we read, I'll, I'll try to get a little more modern here, oh, I heard this on the Daily Stoic podcast. Well, I don't subscribe to any of that. So would that carry any weight with you? Wouldn't with me. So it's like, whatever, man. Don't inadvertently prop up the schemes of the devil by using God's word offensively. Don't inadvertently (laughs) prop up the schemes of the devil by using God's word offensively. I think we got a lot of folks that mean well, but friends, the impact can be damaging. In fencing, there are offensive and defensive maneuvers. And the main defensive move is called a parry. A parry. This is where you're using the blade to deflect or block an incoming attack. And if you look at this picture, the one lunging on the right is attacking, and the one on the left is defending with a parry. And you can see the thicker part of their blade, of the defender, is actually on the thinner tip of the attacking blade. That's a good parry because you create leverage when you do that, and it creates an opening. It creates an opening. Friends, what I would offer to you is that we should use the Bible to defend daily and offend rarely. But with enough grace and time, when an opening appears, we should always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. In this way, may we always be on guard when it comes to sharing God's word. Now, friends, you don't need me to tell you that life is full of battles. And that the double schemes of evil touch our lives indirectly or directly every day. I thought a a friend put it well in an email to me recently. They said, we need the armor of God to fight the battles of truth versus lies, righteousness versus corruption, peace versus chaos, faith versus doubt, salvation versus oppression, spirit versus physical. And we've used Ephesians 6, 10 through 17 the last several weeks Verse 18 says this, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. 
So as we conclude this message and, and this whole series, may we put on the armor of God that we would stand strong in God's mighty power. And after we've endured the day of evil to stay firm. And so in order for us to, to put on the armor of God daily, to pray on every occasion, we've put together a brief list of resources. And so I, I, I'd encourage you to get out your phones and let's put that picture up there. If you go to carney.church, carney.church is our website, carney.church. And then scroll down a little bit and it'll say June 5th, 2022. We've got a list of Bible verses. Just a few occasions. If you, uh, if you go on our Facebook page, it's, fun, it's been fun to see people saying the verses they've committed to memory. Your, your go-do, your action step, I won't use the word assignment. Uh, I would encourage you to commit at least one Bible verse to memory. Just start with one. F- find, find something. We've got a list here. Find something that, that fits the battle you're fighting right now and commit it to memory. Repeat it to yourself daily, every morning, every afternoon, every evening. If you're discouraged or burnt out, Jesus said, come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy burdened. See, I, just, I even stuck the ye in there just because I wanted to. And Jesus said, I will give you rest. Many times, many times over the course of the pandemic when we didn't have a full room like this, when we weren't able to because of uh, health orders, all of that stuff, I thought to myself, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Man, I have clung to that thing. We talked about the verse from Matthew. What was it, 5.11? Blessed are you when people speak evil about you or persecute you. Look at that. And say all kinds of evil about you because of me. Commit it to memory. You got to do it in advance. You got to have the armor on before the battle comes. If you're grieving... Remember, Psalm 34 tells us the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. That doesn't make everything you're dealing with disappear, but it helps locate you under God's watch and God's care when it seems like maybe that's not the case. And these aren't all depressing, by the way. When When we want to express gratitude to God, we remember from Psalm 18, 118, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Or that what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. So I would encourage you to check out that page. Man, you can find tons of information online too. We just tried to give you a little something to start with. And commit a verse to memory. And in that way, take up the sword of the spirit, the word of God. Friends, we gotta suit up every day. Let's use the Bible to defend daily, but offend rarely. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today, from the chance uh, to be together in this sanctuary, this place of peace, this sacred place that we mark out to meet with you. God, I don't know what battles we each bring in with us, but I know that you do. And so in this moment, we lift those up to you. God, we can only stand strong 
in your mighty power with the strength that you provide. So help us to take up and put on the armor of God daily. Help us to live as your humble servants, but confident in the victory you have already won. God, we gather to worship on Sundays to have an appointment with you and to remind ourselves that you have already conquered and already won every victory. Help us to live as your followers and give us the strength to face the battles that we each walk into when we leave this place. It's in your son's name we pray, amen.